tyranny. It's as American as beer and baseball. This is the America Beer, Baseball, Tyranny podcast with your hosts, Joshua Sopko and Aaron Bloomer. What's up, Aaron? I love that shirt, bro. <laughs> end, Look at this. End the Fed. We got swag, everyone. Woohoo! We got how awesome this is. We've got orders. We've got good stuff. Indeed. You guys should check it out. Yes. Beerbaseballtyranny.com. Hit the merch tab. And buy. <laughs> we got more designs coming up there, too. Yeah, so. we got some cool ideas and plans, I think, on the horizon. Yep. For the merch and things, so uh, yeah, stay on the lookout. But we've got some cool designs up there now. More to come. So cool. Yeah. What are we drinking today? Ooh, this is a good, good old staple. <laughs> it, yes, Sam Adams. I have an aversion to Sam Adams. Why? Because he was all about freedom and liberty throughout the uh, Revolutionary War, and then the moment he was given a little bit of power and access after the war, then he became just this huge tyrant asshole well <laughs> so everybody's like ah sam adams like a uh, founder of the of the country and stood for all sorts of freedom and liberty well close kinda makes a good sound when it pops open though. Love it. cheers, cheers. <laughs> um yeah <clears throat> so this is sam adams boston lager distinctively they're, complex and balanced they're kind of their flagship model okay um so yeah overall i think yeah it's what they hang their hat on so it's a good beer four like ingredients the, painstakingly chosen i like the uh sam adams on the signature the signature on the bottle that's kind of cool jim cook's always kind of the the founder of sam adams is a kind of a quirky cool guy okay so, yeah good company Cheers. Cheers. Liberty cheers. <laughs> Liberty cheers indeed. As Josh is going to steal my money on our topic today. <laughs> I will steal nothing that you don't voluntarily provide to me based on the value of its worth. Okay. So, so interesting topic. I think this is a little different than what we've kind of talked about previously. So I'm excited to talk about this, but uh, it's also very relevant. It is. Yes. In this COVID era it is it this is relevant and comes up in mass every time there is a major emergency whether it's a hurricane a tornado global pandemic anything like that you run across this what is this price gouging the unofficial term for charging what a product is worth based on its limited supply in that given point of time so an economist Maybe would say it's the law of supply and demand. And they would also say that it's necessary and a needed thing for to support society. Price gouging is good for the not only the economics, but for the supply and the ability to get product in the hand of people. So the theory or the practice of price, I mean, price gouging obviously has a negative connotation to it, but um, it would be that, let's say. In. 2020 april 2020 there's a shortage of masks Mm -hmm. and so the theory of price gouging would say i could put this mask that i bought at wholesale for a dollar 
and I can sell it for $35 if somebody will pay for it. Yeah. Well, somebody will pay it. And some people say, well, normally on a normal day, you would sell this mask for $5. Right. And you would make a healthy profit. Everybody would get what they want and we're happy. Why can't in these times where these masks are in short supply, why can't you just sell them for $5? Why do you have to sell them for 30 or whatever that hypothetical number is? Right. Because you're a terrible person. <laughs> so this isn't to uh, endorse and condone charging exorbitant amounts of money for a product because it doesn't happen exclusively every time there's an emergency or every time there's a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And this is this has been shown even without government. If you look back at some of the uh, hurricanes like Hurricane Katrina, Walmart knew this was coming and they front loaded all of their generators and much and waters and much needed supplies because they knew that these things were going to be going out the door. So they raised their, their cost just a little bit because they were front loading all of this extra capital into their buildings. And so when the need came, they didn't have to price gouge like what everybody else was doing. So on good faith, Walmart did not price gouge or take advantage of that scenario. And that was without any price gouging laws or controls or anything. So naturally, price gouging isn't a direct um, cause or plight for like what has to happen. It's not a rule that price gouging is inevitable in an emergency. It is a human um, human causation of, of what happens when there is profit and opportunity to be made, right? Maybe. Which is healthy, though. But you can make a healthy profit anyway by charging, we'll say, $5 for these masks instead of 30 or $35. Like, so people view it as greedy. They do. But it's not greedy? Well... It is, it is greedy to an extent, but not in the wrong ways necessarily. So what happens when, uh, you know, I have, I have a hundred thousand masks available and I'm seeing all of the other supplier, uh, suppliers run out. So now that, and now they're starting to charge their rates, their rates a little bit more because they want to control the supply and make sure that they can have enough to redistribute. It's not necessarily that they're taking opportunity of people. They're simply saying, whoa, people are buying 30 or 40 at a time. Well, if we raise the price from $5 to $20, it's going to slow that down a little bit. People are going to say, I don't really need 40 of them. I really only need 10 because I'm not willing to pay that that additional extra dollars. So that leaves more supply in the market for other people to buy. As that increases and increases and increases, eventually you hit a limit. Now, what that also does, because I mean, eventually people are just going to, I'm not going to pay $100 for a mask. I, I'm yeah. just not going to do it. The other thing that it does is send signals to the rest of the market that says, wow, there's a lot of money in masks. I have the opportunity and capabilities to make masks. And obviously I can, I can retool my facility right now and invest a small amount of money because I know I'm going to get that return because I'm not just able to sell masks for $5. I'm able to sell them for 20 or 25, which is $5 less or $10 less than everybody else who's selling them for 35. And now you, so you've triggered that response or that signal into the marketplace and now you have more supply coming into the market, which is a good thing. Now, if you don't do that, if you have government that comes in and regulates that and says, no, we're not going to allow you to charge any more than $5.50. That's the cap on it. Nobody else, one, nobody else is going to make masks. You're still going to see this mass hoarding and everybody just buying what they can because they have the supplies and resources, whether or not they need them. That And then selling them on the private 
market for ten twenty dollars which mask. W- yeah which i mean which causes more problems it's more illegal and you've got police allocating resources to go and block that stuff so you can see all the problems that that trying to regulate that scenario ends up happening yeah i i see but the happy side effect for said manufacturer of raising their wholesale rates or whatever it may be is that they make a boatload more money yeah, as as they should, because they took on more risk. They retooled their manufacturing. No, no, no. The guy who's made it forever and oh, ever and ever, right. the, who's made it, who's like, well, well, I can't keep up with manufacturing. Uh, I think maybe the, do you see more of an issue when it's like, I am the only guy in the tri-state area that has masks. So I'm going to charge whatever <laughs> I want to charge. But then the second somebody else comes in with masks, and charges a lower price, I'm screwed because no one will buy my mask. Right. 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 So, I mean, that's the general piece of supply and demand. Yeah. But doesn't it hurt the consumer by having to spend money in, especially times like these or in times of disaster where money may be short because they may be out of work uh, or they will be out of work when the hurricane and tornado hits type of a thing. And so by charging you know, $17 for a bottle of water because supply and demand, doesn't that hurt the end consumer? It hurts the end consumer a lot more when you limit and restrict the price, which limits and restricts the overall, the, the fixed amount of supply that you have. So when you restrict the price, it means that everybody can, can have access and buy up the, the fixed amount of supply that there is. And so now suddenly there's just none left. That hurts the consumer a lot more when it physically doesn't exist anymore. So in, in, in context of like a hurricane or something where water is now this, this, this fixed supply is now running out. And so that, that increases the cost of the water naturally because the, the supplier is not only saying, hey, there's an opportunity here, but they're also saying I need to slow how many I'm selling down a little bit. Mm-hmm. That also sends the signal to other people out, you know, six hours, 10 hours, 12 hours away that says, hey, it's now worth it for me to load up a truck, a bottle of water that I have and bring it down there and sell it for $13 or $12 and undercut their their markets because it's still profitable for them. So if you fix the price, they're going to say, it's not worth it for me to go down there and sell water for $2.50 a bottle. So now your your supply is just being eliminated and nobody's coming to the rescue Well, why because would it- it's not worth it for them. Sure. Um, so, I mean, we've seen this recently at like, uh, I don't know exactly. And I think Costco, I mean, there have been some retailers who have limited the mm-hmm. per purchase. So yep. why can't we just do that? Why can't the retailer just say, Hey, you can buy four cases of water at this normal affordable price mm-hmm. because we don't want the rich guys coming in, buying all the water and hoarding it in their mansions. That's an exaggerated <laughs> example, but no, I get we it, want bro. people who can afford or need the water and they can't yep. necessarily afford to pay raised prices. Why can't the we why can't the retailer just say you can get X amount of this product so then we can evenly spread it out. So on an individual retail based market, I think that's a good solution and it's being used a lot. Currently, as as, as, as we've seen, and it's it's effective, it's responsible, and it's a good measure to make sure that more people have access. Inevitably, that's going to run out, though, and you will see price gouging. If they can't keep up with the demand mm-hmm. and the supply starts to run low, it is inevitable that they have to do something else. It's a, it's a good measure that extends that, but sure. eventually, 
especially when you're when you're dealing with a small contained isolated emergency or event like a tornado or hurricane mm-hmm. um y- y- i mean you know it's a little bit different when you're talking about a global pandemic so that sure. that allows the supplier to say okay or, or yeah the supplier to uh retool their manufacturer and say okay obviously we need a bunch more and so let's limit and slow down the amount of purchases in order to make sure that we can catch up and still fill our needs. And that's, that's worked out really well in most part for the supplier and for the consumer in that realm too. Yeah. So isn't that a better option? It's an, it's an acceptable alternative, but again, it's, it's short term. It's going to run out eventually. Well, so is price gouging. Exactly. (laughs) Price gouging is not inherently bad. Because eventually that goes away. It's a temporary thing that exists that sends mm-hmm. signals to the rest of the market. So I think maybe when I see, when I think of price gouging, I think of the extremes. I think of, like we said, a dollar mask that you, or you paid a dollar for the mask. You usually retail it at five, but then in this random situation, you're selling it for 50, like yep. way above what you would normally sell it for. I'm okay, and I would think the vast majority of people would be okay simply raising price to mitigate some of these demand issues, supply-demand issues. But, like, when I see price gouging specifically, I think, well, if somebody's charging just this exorbitant rate because they can and because they're um, a jerk. So so part of that is going to be when you get into you have one manufacturer or two manufacturers that are able and capable of making these N95 masks, right? So they can now raise the rate to 50 bucks and nobody else can compete because of regulation. We've done an episode on this recently. See previous episodes. <laughs> so so in that sense, your argument is justified and makes sense because now they have such a tight hold on the market that they can do whatever they want. They can take advantage of the consumer in that realm because they have a complete monopoly on it and no competitors can enter the market. As long as people are willing to pay $50 for a single mask and as long as there are the ability for other competitors to come in and either make masks or provide masks to people – that's going to be a temporary gain because that $50 sends signal to everybody else and said, I'll sell them for 45 and you get somebody else says I'll sell them for 40. And as soon as that supply comes in, because without that signal, nobody else is going to, it's going to deem it worth it or necessary, mm-hmm. which, or hurt, which, which ends up limiting that supply even further until eventually they're just not in existence. Yeah. Which or hurts the consumer even more. Ladies or people say, uh, I've got this scarf I'm not using. I'm just going to tie that around my face and that's going to be pretty, basically good enough for me because I'm not a nurse. I'm not right. in the hospital type of right. thing. And, and at some point, I mean, price gouging really, you see it the most with like the basic necessities of life, water specifically, you mm-hmm. are, or, or gas, you know, you need gas to get around and emergency services need gas. So when the supply runs out, that becomes a really big problem. Yeah. I remember nine 11, right. Pretty vividly because I was working at Shopco <laughs> in, in Mitchell, South Dakota. And I remember there's a gas station across the street and there's lines of vehicles and they had their their sign that shows their price was just shut off <laughs> because they were charging like a, like $10 a gallon or just something outrageous at that time when it yep. was a dollar a gallon back in the day, you know, um, 
because they could. And, but also too, probably, I mean, I get that point of like, well, the line of people, they were going to run out. Right. But I don't know. I guess I would, I would say it, maybe it's better to restrict the gallons of gas purchase per person versus charging $10 a gallon or both restrict and charge $10. I mean, that's up to the individual retailer and consumer, but that adds in the, the, the competitiveness of it. Right. So then you've got the other retailer across the street says, well, I'll let you buy a little bit more for a little bit less. Yeah. And as long as the resources are available exist, because again, the second that that supply gets limited or restricted or isolated, that price has to go up in order to send a signal outside of that zone that says there, there's an opportunity for us to go in and make money and compete against these people because now it's worth it. And that supply comes in, which helps the consumer get access to something that was inevitably going to run out without, without increasing the price. Yeah. So when you have price fixing, it's literally threatening the lives of the individual that rely on those products. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, to think about from the retailer standpoint, um, like I just thought of this, like with the gas, you know, they don't know if they'll get more gas. Right. So like they're potentially they could be saying, shoot, like this happened. I don't know what's going on. Everything's going to be halted for a while. Nobody's going to be able to travel. I mean, in that specific situation, you know what happened? They're like, I might not be able to fill up my tanks for a month. And then we're out of business for a month. So I better make money now. It's a little bit of a survival mode, too. And I can't fault a business owner who's in survival mode. But what about the ethics of it? I think price gouging is the most ethical thing that you could do. <laughs> because were you all expecting the reasons- <laughs> that answer, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> because again, it's 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 the only way, or the most acceptable way in a free market environment where you can send that signal to get more supplies to that area. Without it, it's just going to run out, and people are going to be hurting a lot more because it physically is inaccessible. It doesn't exist in that in that zone. So you are betting on a long-term solution. Price gouging is a long-term answer. I mean, within weeks. But with the, the price sec- gouging, second- you are you from an ethical standpoint, <laughs> you are hoping the product runs out. Because if you don't run out, if it doesn't run out, and you keep selling it at this higher rate, you just look like a dickhead. Well, sure. And then and then you end up with uh, the basic principles of consumerism where people are going to say, you're a dick. I'm not going to buy from you anymore. Maybe. I mean, uh, uh, again. I bet Smithfield doesn't got a business. <laughs> but again, we saw Walmart front load because they expected and they saw it was going to happen. So they front loaded it so that they wouldn't have to price gouge yeah. on an ethical standpoint. You I mean, know, I've they, heard they, our they, local uh, grocery stores are raising prices and things. Um. I don't know. I mean, if the if their supply is running short and limited, then the responsible thing to do is to raise the price so that other people will come into the market and say, I have supplies that I can give you that I can sell to you because now there's an opportunity that makes it worth it. That well, that wasn't worth it before. I mean, it's just simple economics. And when food runs out, <laughs> if we if we kept the price the same and the food runs out and everybody says, well, I could have made it, but it just wasn't ever worth it for me. That's irresponsible to, to the to the to the cause of the consumer as a society. Maybe, unless you just want government to run the whole thing. 
And we have bread lines. Bread lines and cheese lines. East Berlin. Let's do that. <laughs> it's easier. <laughs> okay. In every scenario, what about the poor people? Yeah. Price gouging hurts poor people. So when all the product is gone and all the supply disappears, then everybody is hurting and suffering. Mm -hmm. Because realistically, nobody is keeping... In, in addition, if you keep the price fixated, then the the more well-off people just buy more than what they actually need, which takes it from the poor. So you're just saying the poor will just be screwed no, no matter what? No. When have we seen poor in our country, in, in, a, in a modern society, dying on the street from limited access to water? Mm, Flint. I don't know... <laughs> That's because the water would light on Regula fire. Regulation has screwed them. <laughs> Poor Flint. But Flint in, Town is a great in, documentary, by the way. If you guys want to document, I watched it. half of it and then I stopped for some reason. I can't remember. But it, uh, when it comes to the poor, again, price gouging takes away the ability for the rich and the more well-off to buy more than what they actually need and make sure to that those, pilot. it makes sure that the that the resources that they're buying are actually allocated they're not buying bottled water to wash their dog anymore they're buying it to drink so they're making sure that they're not wasting that, it that a thing if people, people buy bottled water to wash their dog yeah what in a, in a in a crisis scenario these people need to wash their dog so they'll buy i'm saying that that they would have the resources if if water sure. was if if water stayed at two bucks a bottle. They're saying, "Well, I gotta wash my dog. I wash my dog in Evian. I want to take a bath three times a day, and there's no access to water under my tap, so I'm just gonna buy it at two bucks a bottle and use it for resources that I don't really need." So that's another advantage of price gouging that we didn't mention either. During a hurricane, plywood was another thing. Plywood goes in short supply yeah. because everybody's trying to board up their windows. Well, so the guy with a mansion, the millionaire who wants to protect his house is buying up all the plywood. And he also says, well, I've got, you know, my guest room or my guest house. I've got a, a tool shed out back. I want to put plywood on all that stuff. Well, when the price skyrockets, I say, well, I really just need to protect my main house because I'm not willing to spend so much money. So now that allows the, the less off people more access to the plywood that's there to be able to protect their essential assets and their homes. So, I mean, because otherwise the man, the, the, the millionaire people are just going to, I mean, they're going to board up all their stuff and that takes the resources away from everybody else. Yeah. Don't you think, and maybe this is not PC to say, but that's not the first time, I guess we've said some not PC stuff for me, I guess. Uh, <laughs> the poor people or lesser off people basically in any situation have to rely on the goodwill of other people. Which I think, by and large, we see, especially in an emergency. I mean, people eventually show up with trucks and they are giving out water. Right. But what you're saying potentially is, man, I don't, I, <laughs> I still feel like the, the limiting per person is a better issue or a better solution. So... On an individual retailer base, I would agree. I think I think that's a good option to to utilize, especially if you want to uh, extend your product because you don't know when you're going to get more in, right? But also, 
extend it to more people. It, it does make it a little difficult when you've got an individual that comes out and says, I need 20 cases of water. And you say, well, it's a limit of one case per customer. And they say, you don't understand. I need 20 cases of water because I am housing refugees uh, you know, at, on my land and mm. I need 20 cases of water to service all these people. These people don't have access to get here to buy their own case. So how do you start to manage that that scenario too? Come back. I mean, go to a different store. Right. But like, I'm saying like you can see that that, that does cause issues too. It on, does. And on an individual retail base, like the retailer, it's their private company. They can do whatever they want and I support their cause to do that. Mm. But the risk there is saying, well, if if we're not going to have government limit price gouging or, you know, restrict price, price capping, whatever, then let's have them limit resources and say, you know, everybody in America has to wear a mask, but you can only buy one per mask, you know, one per Per, per time well then you've got people it's like well my kid needs one and they can't rightfully get to the store them so you know what i mean like my grandma or my you and you end up with this scenario of trying to have a one-size-fits-all solution from a government standpoint are there government regulations around capping prices and price gouging and oh things? yes absolutely like in what situation uh, situation or scenario basically anything if if the government decides that you are overcharging what the value market was prior to an emergency, uh, you can go to jail and you can be charged for it. We, we really, yeah, you, we see Amazon. I don't know the laws specifically, but um, I do know like Amazon specifically has shut all of those retailers down. There's a guy right before uh, all of this pandemic stuff happened. He projected and predicted that hand sanitizer, baby wipes, toilet paper, all yes. this stuff was going to go out sure. of stock. So he went around the country and he's like, this is going to be my new business venture because there's going to be an opportunity. So he front loaded. I mean, his life savings he put into buying stuff, drove around the country with a trailer, came back and started to sell this stuff online for 2x, 3x, 10x the normal cost. As supplies ran low, he seized an opportunity. A lot so of people the guy call that him Dick. had it all in the um, storage unit. Yep. Is that that guy? Yep. And then and now so he's sitting on a pile of stuff that people want and need mm -hmm. that he can't that he can't even sell because he's been turned off on everything. Well, and then somehow people got his location of where he's storing all this stuff and the government seized it, didn't they? Did they really? I didn't hear that. They if might it's have. the same story, I'm if it's the it same story, be. it's I mean, this guy yeah, it's got to be. The guy went around. He's got we'll have to look that up and put the notes and put the link to that story. Yeah, he got as much shop. hand sanitizer, filled up an entire storage shed. They figured out where it was and they seized it. <laughs> but then the, then the issue around it was is now that the government seized it, no one can use it because it's like evidence in a case now. Sure. Or some stupid, some weird. I don't know. We'll have to look it up and we'll link to it. But even if they could, even if they could use it. Now, government's deciding who gets access to it. Sure. And, and who makes the money from it. And who makes the money from it. So like the this government guy... just gets the money? <laughs> the sheriff? The police chief? That's insane. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we're, uh, we're, we should probably look it up before we keep it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, put, we'll put a link somewhere, somewhere in the show notes. But, I mean, I, I get why it feels wrong. And not everybody price gouges either. Not everybody. Right. I mean, they raise the rates in accordance to uh, by and large in accordance to what is necessary to the market right so i mean a certain level of price gouging is acceptable though 
yeah. by law, by the government. I mean, the, I don't know what those controls are. Exactly. Right like, I mean, high V goes and in, increases there. And this is theoretical, but I don't know. This is a fact. But during these times, let's say they increase their price of a loaf of bread by a dollar. because You know what I mean? Like, that's supposedly okay. But if they would increase it by ten dollars a loaf like that's probably wrong i don't know it's well, but and, yeah then who again who decides that and well the consumer ultimately decides it the consumer would walk into high v and, and and look at that and say i'm not paying 10 bucks for a loaf of bread yeah i mean from like a legal standpoint right. like who decides oh wait you can mark it up x amount right. but not y amount yeah and if if you mark it up anything over whatever you're arrested and we seize all your stuff <laughs> and we go to, and we you go to jail like that's that seems weird but I don't know. Price gouging is good for society. I don't. I mean, <laughs> I, I understand it from a supply and demand standpoint. And I think there is a happy medium. I don't. I mean, but also I do understand. And I I, I, I think free market should always decide. Right. If some guy wants to try to be a dickhead and sell it for 10x or 50x or whatever it is, don't buy it. Ultimately, the consumer is going to make that decision and that choice. Right. Because and somebody's going to come out with something better. Exactly. Or, you know, or different or more and with, effective. And, and without that signal, without that price signal, that doesn't have the opportunity to happen. Look at all these people who are, I mean, they're all over Facebook now who are out there making their own face. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a face mask example, but making their own face mask. And they're like, who wants one? Yeah. And they are making them out at home with their own money and their own supplies and they're buying their own fabric and they're giving them out to whoever they want. If you want a face mask right now, you can get one for free because there are so many people out there. But also, if you want a face mask and pay $50 for a face mask, I'm sure there's some asshole out there that'll sell it to you. Yep, for sure. So good stuff. I think it was interesting. It, it, it is. And, it, and it's good to explore the argument, at least, and understand where price gouging comes from, why it's important, why it's necessary and why it's needed. Whether you agree with it or not, sure. um, at least you have the, the perspective as to where um, the, the argument, the concepts come from. You know, it's not overpriced. Booze. This beer. Right now, until we get into Prohibition again. <laughs> That'll be a fun episode, too, talking about Prohibition. But this is good. I just started, this is related, unrelated, but I just started uh, American History History Tellers. They're doing a Whiskey Rebellion series, Mm, which is really, really interesting. That should be good. So, (laughs) Learn all about the uh, tyranny of uh, old Washington during the Whiskey Rebellion. And Hamilton. Oh, Hamilton. We'll do a whole episode on Hamilton sometime. That guy was a closet monarchist. He just wants a king. So what do you think of this old Sam Adams Boston Lager? It's, It's good. It's a good solid beer. Yeah, it is. Um, I don't know that I've had it before or really paid attention if I've had it before. One thing I noticed is my label is so crooked, crookedly put on. Yeah, this one. Like the the big one isn't. Maybe that's the, by design then. The back one is very crooked. Maybe that's by design. Maybe it's to like make it look more craft. <laughs> I bet it is. It's man. driving me crazy. Like it's put on by hand or something. I I label all of our products in our store pretty much by hand right now because we're saving up money to buy a machine labeler to, mm. to run our labels through. Uh, and I would probably just throw this entire bottle away. But it must be by design because yours is almost identical. It so. really is. Four ingredients painstakingly chosen. Every year we travel to Bavaria to hand select Hallertau Mittenfru hops. 
in the high American plains for the finest two-row summer barley. We cultivate our own lager yeast, and I personally sample every batch. All of our hard work goes into brewing this distinctively flavor and complex beer for you. Do you think that's true? What's that? That they that they go to Bavaria and pick out their hops every year, and then he tries every batch. So, I've always been curious about that. He's crazy enough that I think so. Sure. I mean, there's commercials with him where he'll like, <laughs> and I I get it, but like, I don't know. The PR team probably like, hey, we're going to make a commercial. You're doing this one time. Right? So you never have to do it again in your whole life. I mean, whether it's him, you know, that travels or if it's like his team, I'm assuming he probably his head brewer and right, stuff like right. that probably do that maybe now. And maybe he's just, I don't know invested that much into it that and when you brew beer on a scale like these guys do to taste every batch is like i get it it's a lot but it's like you're drinking a lot of beer anyway right so just to walk in and like i don't know i think consistency in beer brewing is is a trick anyway oh yeah yeah for sure so so yeah What's your Liberty Stein rating? Yeah, I'm gonna give this a four. I'm a good four too. This is this is a solid beer. I typically am not a lager guy, although I'm kind of coming around to more of that yeah. medium style. I typically more like a usually a lighter, lighter beer. But yeah, this is good flavor is good. to it. It is it is really good. I like it. So I'm gonna give it a four Liberty Steins. Four Liberty Steins. Distinctively complex and balanced. I would agree with that statement. Yeah. Good. All right, everybody. Well, right. Thanks for, for watching. Thanks for listening. Check us out. We're not going to price gouge our merch. We actually have really <laughs> affordable merch, if I do say so myself. $15 t-shirts. That's pretty cheap. Yeah, it is. It is. So uh, check us out, beerbaseballtyranny.com. Good conversation, man. Yep. See you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the America Beer Baseball Tyranny Podcast. You can find us online at beerbaseballtyranny.com and on Facebook and Twitter at ABBT Podcast. You can view videos of our episodes on our website and on YouTube, and you can listen to them on your favorite podcast listening platform. Our theme music is Not Drunk by The Joy Drops. Until next time, friends.